This podcast is for those making bold moves to reverse global warming. We are the Determined Ones, solving humanity's gnarliest challenges. It's a podcast on climate action, the determined mindset, and how standing out helps you make a meaningful impact. What if human civilization wasn't hurling towards doom and the ecosphere isn't about to collapse? What if the human species is hatching out of its infancy and we're standing at the precipice of our most magnificent chapter yet? Hey everyone, my name is Mark. I'm Sarah, and we are sitting here today with Katie Patrick, author of How to Save the World. How's it going, Katie? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, maybe um, before we dive in, uh, just introduce yourself, who you are and what you've been up to. Well, my name is Katie Patrick. I'm an environmental engineer and a designer, unusual combination. Just <laughs> wrote a book called How to Save the World, and I care enormously about using your creative purpose to change the world, but also doing it in a way that works with data, making it measurable, and using environmental data in a kind of a Fitbit for the planet type of way. So I'm uh, really keen on the intersection between measurement-based technology and also creativity. I think you can bring both together. Yeah, I love that. Um, So we read an article that you wrote called Why Creativity Will Save the World. Um, And you go into all of that, like what you just said, you know, creativity is thought of this sort of fluffy concept that doesn't um, have a lot of tangible, it's abstract, doesn't have a lot of meat that we can like hang on to, and you turn it into something that you can measure, there's science behind it, you kind of break down why creativity is important, how it works, and so we, like, at, you know, Mark read that, he sent it to me, and we were like, we have to talk to her. <laughs> cool, it's a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. Because that's kind of what we're about too is, you know, we're designers and we have these skills for breaking down abstract things and making them tangible, visual, and we're like, how can we use that skill to make the world a better place? That's why we started The Determined, that's why we're here. Yeah, Yeah. so maybe tell us a bit more about um, kind of where you got the idea to write this. I mean, it kind of reads as this like... I don't want to say manifesto, but just this like declaration. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we have so many things we pulled out from from the post that we'll probably cover some of it today. But yeah, tell us maybe the did you wake up one day and say, you know what, I need to write this article, or was it, or was it more of a kind of accumulation of of your work um, from previous projects, lives, etc.? How did you come up with this? Oh, I don't know. Nobody's asked me that before, so I don't know if I totally know the answer, but I have had an inner war in myself between my engineering self and my creative artist self. Mm-hmm. And it's been there most of my life or for a long time. Uh, I think I feel like this intensely artistic, creative per- person, and I love hanging around with like artists and designers and musicians. But then there's a part of me that's like, no, I actually really like writing code and doing calculus, and I feel that there's this other very robust kind of structured part of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I hang out with engineers and programmers, and I'm like, oh, my people! And I'm like, why is everyone kind of a little bit boring and colorless? I really think there needs to be some more art here, and I sort of go back and forth. Uh, but I think the the article sort of was me came from me just trying to find um, my ultimate sort of story that I want to write, my gift that I want to share with the world. I've been on a long path for um, the last like five or seven years, just trying to dig into what is the ultimate story that is almost like my purpose in life to share. And it started off actually with writing a book about environmental economics, which I never talk about because it never went anywhere, Uh, which was about if you just buy green things. And I really believed this about 10 years ago. If you buy environmentally friendly things like recycled paper, Mm -hmm. you can save the world. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. And as I started to 
um, read more deeply into that. I tried to make a, a robust case for why that would change the world. It just fell apart. I was like, mm. you cannot actually just buy fair trade and buy organic and then, Great. wow, all the world's problems are solved. And just go away. And so that took me on this big intellectual journey into, well, what actually does create change? You know, how do you actually stop? If someone's trying to protect the Amazon, what happens is they get shot. They have militias. And I'm like, I cannot figure out how to solve that problem. I can't yeah. be like, oh, it's, it's capitalism, it's greed, it's this or it's that. These problems become very difficult to untangle. And that takes me through to looking at this sort of measurement-based technique, that if we can actually show people the numbers, I thought, well, that's really cool, if we can show people the numbers, then we can actually create change that way, and that intersect with game design and this whole Fitbit for the planet type of thing. Um, I'm not sure if I can thread this all back to like how I actually got here, I don't know, but the whole process has been this journey of just intellectually trying to understand what actually changes the world. So the environmental economics book ended, how to Save the World book got kind of developed out of the ashes of that, just thinking, okay, well, this is actually what I really learned. But still, in terms of trying to skin back how you actually change the world, practical techniques of how to actually do social influence don't get you all the way. There's a bigger soul to it, which is, what is my creative purpose? I mean, my is in all our lives, like all our... What's our creative purpose in the world? What are we here for? What's our unique creative fingerprint? So you can't really separate the practical job of trying to put solar panels in the world with your own creative purpose. So it's really the um, sort of the heart and soul and the spiritual side to actually changing the world. Uh, but there is, like, like you said, enough. There's enough neuroscience that backs up why creativity is uh, is important. Yeah, I find that's true in both. You know, skimming through your book here, I have it in my hand, and you know, Mark and I teach a social innovation class, part of the design thinking process, and all of the processes that go into creating things. And there are, you know, quantifying practices, there are measuring practices, and you talk about all of that in your book. Like you just sort of download everything into this book, and then it goes into the hero's journey and finding your purpose. And same thing in that article, how or why creativity will save the world. It's, you know, all these things that you touch on about, you know, you go into the cosmos and what our purpose is here on the planet. I think one of the one of the quotes, I can't live in this world without doing something about it. Yeah. Is something that really resonated with me. Like there's something that's part of who I am that gets really, really pissed off if I'm just sitting behind a desk, you know, making widgets without purpose. And I actually get sick. I start like burning out, I start failing, and like the systems in my body start failing. <laughs> like, this isn't a yeah, joke. Yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> so what is that? Where does that come from and why? I feel like you sort of talk about that in your article a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the environmental and social change movement, uh, it often has not been focused on that stuff. And if you really want to write, I mean, I set out to write a really good book about how to actually, it's titled How to Actually Save the World, the best book that I could write. And as a, and the whole process of authoring is creating something that's emotionally resonant with someone. Anyone can write a kind of a didactic kind of um, manual, like an Ikea manual or textbook. But the, the art or the craft of writing something resonant is that people fall in love with it and they want to read each paragraph to paragraph, sentence to sentence page to page, and they'll make it all the way to the end, and they'll be changed enough to basically say it was awesome, and then tell their friends about it. So that's the real art. And when you're in that headspace, when I've been in that headspace of trying to be like, why should people change the world? Why should you? Why should you give up your job? Why does this matter? And you end up coming right into the center of people's quest for meaning and purpose. And you realize that you can't 
extricate meaning and purpose from the practical day-to-day -day life of doing environmental and change, environmental and social change. They're all together as one. So you're in a totally different sphere then when you're talking about meaning and purpose. You're like, why does it matter? And I'm asking this myself. I mean, I'm like you. Like, I get really sick and stressed out doing anything that's not deeply meaningful. I kind of think we all have different levels of an existential black hole, and I like have a particularly big one. You might have one really, really big, so you have to fill it with like lots and lots of meaning, and you're like profound meaning at all times. Otherwise, you just get really depressed and sketched out, and it's like, why should I even be alive? You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just really constant. I know all those questions. <laughs> really, like in that, and asking, asking why, and in my um. There were two books I came across that really helped me with this. One is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, who talks about your... He just calls it your genius zone. I just kind of like added to that and added the word creative on the front. Creative genius zone talks about it all as being sort of like where all the sort of meaning of life and all your greatest work comes from. Um, another one called The Artists... Oh, I can't remember the title now. By Eric Meisel, The Artists uh, the artists Within or something like that. And he talks about really committing, you know, that we have a fundamental meaning need and for people who are creatively, um, creatively aligned or intended, we really need to have that in our life. We can't not have it. So you have to really prioritize it. And so these sort of things, I really thought, in terms of my own very big existential black hole, that creative purpose was centered to that. And so I've been getting up every day and just going right into the creative purpose, my whatever, whatever I call my creative genius name, whatever it is, changes from day to day, mm -hmm. and making sure I get in like three hours a day, like going to the gym. Maybe should go to the gym for a long time. And investing time, basically, is this in my creative genius zone? And is my creative genius zone put to work on something that's going to make the world a better place? I don't think it should be in a bubble, in a vacuum. I talk about that in the book. Some people do creative stuff, but if it's just stuck in your Dropbox folder, in your desk drawer, and it's got to be out there contributing, and that's kind of where the, where the magic is. And I think everybody has that in them, and that's kind of our purpose in the world. That's kind of why we're here. And the reason why people get so sick and stressed out and doing jobs that are not aligned with that is because it's not kind of in the way of the universe. Like the universe is constantly evolving from planets to more complex planets, from atoms to molecules. Like once upon a time in the universe, there were no molecules, there were only atoms. And before that there was energy, but there wasn't even like light or gravity. It's like been growing and growing. So we're kind of like in that. I think our purpose is to creatively channel that. And it does sound very existential, but when I, you get right in the middle of that, and you're like, what is my creative purpose? Why am I here? I'm on my journey with the universe's evolution. You get into a place that I think is really good. And I think it solves all those <laughs> stresses. It kind of creates other stresses because you're just like, it's no, hard. I don't really want to do that crappy thing for money. Um, right. No, I don't want to do, do don't want to do this thing. It doesn't but, make any money right But now. you build this inner self, this yeah. inner kind of garden of vibrancy. And you can't get that just through doing social change. You know, it's doing it with your creative genius zone and your creative genius zone does want to do something good fundamentally. I think it does want, it's like my creative genius zone is being a serial killer, like, <laughs> really, I don't think people really have evil creative genius zone. I think it is a fundamentally good what place. What we can talk about that in a different well, It's a little bit like... <laughs> so, so speaking of what if, um, here's another, here's another um, quote from your um, blog post. <clears throat> and the biggest what if of all, what if saving the world wasn't a fight or a sacrifice, but it was your greatest art form. And in this art form, you discovered that your purpose in life, your unique gift, and your role in sculpting a new world were all the same thing. Yeah, why does changing the world and you fulfilling your greatest creative and artistic desires need to be two different things? Right. Like, they should be the same. Yeah. And it's always been the same for me. Like, at any stage, even since I was 12 years old, I was like, 
I'm going to build eco-cities, I'm going to cover the world in flowers, I want to save the koalas, whatever it has been, it always felt to me like a creative adventure. It never ever did not feel that way. So when I see other people in this like doom and gloom mindset, like, we're all going to die, or that some people often can be just very, just kind of very bureaucratic and slow moving. I'm like, where is the creative energy? This should yeah. be the ultimate creative adventure. Yeah. Why, is it, why aren't we all just like reveling in the excitement? And even people that don't come from our movement, people maybe in advertising or Silicon Valley, who are more sort of conventional, um, sort of corporate money-making mindset, I mean, they should also be set on fire with the desire yeah. to use their creative skills to do more meaningful work than yeah. just like selling more phones or more cars. Right. I mean, your byline is how to make changing the world the greatest game we've ever played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's make it fun. It didn't. It started off with several more boring versions before <laughs> we kind of like got that one right. So yeah. something that we, Sarah and I, have, have talked about a lot, and uh, so it's something that we've adopted from some of our mutual friends. Um, this you mentioned doom and gloom, but changing that perspective and a doom and bloom type of approach, where I never heard doom and bloom. We, that's yeah, cool. where yeah. we see where we are seeing our climate crisis more as an opportunity, as a wake up call for us to realize, okay, we have this thing. It's shitty. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. We have to deal with it. But instead of this doom and gloom, we're all fucked. We're gonna let me just go in a corner and just you know live my life and pretend it's not there. Um, but seeing this as an opportunity for each and every one of us to stand up and use our creative talents to create something of meaning uh, to address this stuff. Create new jobs, create new technologies, products, products new yeah, new ways of living, new buildings. You talk a lot about the buildings that could be really cool. Right. Yeah, you do a lot of so so to to finish my my thought, you know, we're seeing new products being developed, you know, people using captured uh, CO2 to create carbonite to create jewelry or or um, or even cement. Uh, there's a company out there that created a whole shoe without a shoe print. It was the shoe was all made out of carbon uh, dioxide captured What's from the air. Exactly. It was one of their. I think it was their one of their taglines. A shoe without um, a carbon footprint. You know, you have the you have the um, you have the the lab grown and plant based meat stuff. So people are coming up with these new products and, and creating these products that are making up that are only going to be making up our world. And then as well as in your post. You have images of these beautiful landscapes and buildings being occupied by both humans and nature. So we just love seeing um, more of these visual, not just the actual products themselves that are being developed by these startups, but also just this hope punk idea of visualizing what's possible. It's a very different uh, different take on what we've been used to, especially what the news media um, shares uh, shares out with, with us. And so, yeah, that's another reason why your post resonated with us so much is because you show what's possible and yeah. how creativity can align with that and create that. You, you start talking about, you know, what if what if we're not hurtling towards doom? What if we're not, you know, blah, 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 doing all these terrible things? But, like, what if we're just, um, you know, like Mark said at the beginning, we're just standing at the precipice of this most amazing technological advance that we haven't even conceived of yet because we're so you stop you talk about the psychology of this like we're so stuck in the oh all these problems we have to fix and it doesn't allow our imagination to move into that space of what is actually possible what could we create mm-hmm. and yeah. if we did that we'd be like off to the races yeah well it is like Possibly. Well, now I'm just like an evangelist for this way of thinking, so I'll just say that I think it is like the most important thing you need to do is be able to imagine the future world. Mm-hmm. And I've got to give the credit for those images to the architects who actually did yeah. them. They weren't my images, yeah, the ones yeah. I've found. But there were actually architects and artists out there that had the imagination and they put in the time mm-hmm. to create these illustrations I was able to use in the post. 
But the reason why we need to do this isn't just, oh, it is because it feels nice. What it does is it creates optimism. Like when you believe something good is going to happen in the future, you are optimistic and optimism releases dopamine and dopamine is what you need to be able to stay motivated on a task of what makes you feel happy. And the health benefits of optimism and dopamine are profound. Like you, you just look up the health benefits of optimism and dopamine, right? <laughs> Optimists are healthier, they're happier, they have more money, they have better relationships. Basically, optimism is the ultimate vitamin pill, right? So you need to have this positive view of the future, so you're optimistic for the future. So when it comes to the difficult job of actually being able to install a million solar panels or change government policy, these are very big, complex, difficult things to do to change the world. You need to be super optimistic. I mean, if you thought you would fail, right, if you were like, well, I'm going to try to like fix climate change, but it's all doomed anyway, it's all going to fail, I mean, you would just probably give up. And it might take you 20 years, you know, it probably will, to actually create some real change. You need to have that high dopamine levels. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, another thing in the article is talking about the, um, the default mode network, this other part of the brain that does the work of imagination. It's not just being busy and stressed out all the time. Take some time to lie back and daydream about what the world could be. I mean, I, when I, I learned how to do this um, probably about 10 years ago, and I remember I, I lied back and I did a meditation. It was kind of like a self-help meditation about like, imagine the perfect body, imagine like the perfect life, whatever. But I was like, I'm actually gonna imagine the perfect world, take it a bit further. And I just had this like transcendental experience where I was like, what if I walked down the city and it was just like covered in cherry blossom, like everywhere, like it was not dirty, there was like nice music, and I was just like, I had to call up my friend and I was just like, I just like really like, like an acid trip, but like not an acid trip, just with my own mind. Like, and my friend was like, oh, I got a two-year-old, I got to like go, Katie. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, and then, but, um, but this process of just getting out of your like frenzied, kind of stressed out, busy mind, letting that calm down and letting your default mode network do some positive imagination uh, is what we need to come up with the, with the ideas. And you need the, the world... The future is made up of ideas, right? People coming up with ideas like the shoeless shoe, whatever the shoe printless, the shoe printless shoe. Every innovation that we have that is going to change the world is people coming up with ideas and making them happen. That's essentially a creative process. Right, right. It's fundamental. You cannot change the world without entering into the creative process. You have to. So why aren't we all getting real with it being a fundamentally creative act? Why is it basically nobody ever talking about it? Nobody is talking about it. Do you see it? Do you ever see Greenpeace meet up? You know, and everyone's like, creativity doesn't know. Yeah. We even see it at like art school. Right. Yeah. We talk about science and technology, but creativity is just as much part of science and technology and engineering and mathematics and, you know, all of these things that we typically bucket in the non-creative part of our categorization. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's the, the result of at least the U.S. educational system where it's kind of beaten out of us at a certain point in our K-12, you know, how I think what Sir Ken Robinson has this whole TED Talk and book um, basically, if you ask any kindergarten uh, kindergartner, if you're an artist, raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. Become third grade, fifth grade, the number of hands get lower and lower because it's kind of not a good thing to be an artist. You want to study math, you want to study science, like that kind of stuff. And so, I'm just wondering if you know. I mean, addressing our K-12 system is a whole separate podcast, and <laughs> won't get into that. But I feel like maybe that's the reason why. Yeah. How it's just kind of not in our everyday. 
you know, it's not in the water. It's not in our DNA to be, or to not just be creative, but to to talk about it in a in, in a way that excites other people. Yeah, and um, that's why I really like what you've done in your book and the posts that you're writing on your medium publication, and you have a podcast as well. Yeah, it's you're able to talk about these big creative things um, and put numbers to them, put measurable science to them, make them you know bring them down to earth and make them tangible. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Well, even if you think about the, like, let's just try and break down the walls and this dichotomy between engineering and creativity. If you want to do something like, say, the Cal Academy of Sciences, my spiritual church in Golden Gate Park, has this beautiful green roof domed. Everyone's probably seen it listing up from San Francisco. Beautiful, amazing domed green roof. Somebody had to imagine that before it existed. They had to exist in their mind as an idea and as a uh, mental three-dimensional model. Okay, that's the creative process, right? Then they had to reverse engineer it. They had to actually figure out how to build it. It had never been done before, so they had to figure it out. That's essentially the creative process when the creative process and engineering become one. And every time you're doing something that's never been done before, like software or architecture, you're doing that. There is a type of engineering that's just rote work where you're just doing the same thing over and over again. That's not creative engineering. But the process that moves the envelope of society or technology forward is completely creative. So this thing that we've had of dividing them as two different things is just silly. Yeah. And you know in like Star Trek, The Next Generation, how like all the um, the crew are all like, like they do opera and they do art and they read poetry on the holodeck, but they're also like these really like top level engineers and they're doing like acting classes. I mean, that's how I see like the, the ultimate place in humanity where you're doing your oil painting and you're playing violin and you go back and do some neuroscience, write some code. I mean, that's what it is to be a fully bodied person, to have it all going on. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah, well, you definitely have it all going on. Can you tell us a little bit about how to, you know, get your book, how to find you on your podcast, what are the, what are the URLs and stuff? Okay, well, I'm not sure if I really have it all going on quite <laughs> like the like the Star Trek: The Next Generation. Maybe I have like a, a tiny, tiny bit of it going on. Um, but if you want to find that tiny bit, um, <laughs> it's a katiepatrick.com. That's K-A-T-I-E. My name's spelled um, K-A-T-I-C-K.com. And my podcast is called How to Save the World on iTunes. Um, I've been posting a lot of designs and little lessons on Twitter. Just yes. at katiepatrick.com and if you sign up to my website I have a whole bunch of free different lessons and plans that you can um, that you can download for free and you'll see the links to get the book from Indiegogo or, or Amazon love it thank you so much Great. yeah thanks for hanging out with us thanks it was fun yeah Woo! we'd love to help you make smart decisions on how to build your climate focused brand so it gets the attention it deserves book a sound check session to get started amplifying your brand at thedetermined.co slash soundcheck if you are one of the bold rebels building a product that addresses our climate crisis, we can help you set yourself apart and amplify your climate impact. You can learn more about us at thedetermined.co. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast, feel free to share.